Today on the Matt Wall Show, mayors and governors across the country are getting very tough on quote-unquote criminals who violate social distancing directives. But uh, why aren't they ever this tough on real crime? And five headlines, including President Trump's claim that over two million people would have died without a lockdown. We will analyze that. Is there any truth to that whatsoever? Uh, there isn't, by the way. But not to give a spoiler, but we'll talk about that. And Alex Jones announces his plan to eat his neighbors. And in our daily cancellation, I must cancel my own child, my own flesh and blood. I hate to do it. It's not something any father ever wants to do, but I have no choice, and I will explain why. All of that coming up. But first, uh, this is very important as well, uh, given the week that we're in. I want to tell you something about our friends over at Books. You know, Mother's Day is on the way. My wife reminded me of that yesterday. She said, by the way, Mother's Day is this coming weekend, just so you know. FYI, you know, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Uh, Father, Mother's Day is, is, is on the way. And just because you can't be with your mom on Mother's Day, that doesn't mean that uh, you can't do something for her. And in fact, it certainly doesn't get you off the hook. You still have to do something for her. So you can't give mom a hug, but you can send flowers from the Books company. Books, you know that's short for bouquets. Books are responsibly sourced from uh, some of the world's finest eco-friendly farms, even farms on the sides of volcanoes. So you get volcano flowers out of the deal. Flowers stay fresher, longer. Did you know that flowers and plants have been proven to reduce stress and boost productivity? I didn't know that. Now you do. Now that we're spending more time at home, how about a little self-love to brighten your day and your space? So, you know, you can buy these flowers for your mom, for your wife. You can also buy them for yourself. Um, and uh, this means that, you know, you know when, if, if, you're, if, you're, if, if you're not doing something for your mom on Mother's Day, if you're not doing something good for your mom's, mom on Mother's Day, that just makes you a bad person, I think. So don't be a bad person. Send smiles, no matter the miles, with books.com slash Walsh. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com slash Walsh. And enter code Walsh for 25% off your entire order. Again, that's code Walsh for 25% off at books.com slash Walsh. Uh, also, another holiday today. It's uh, May 4th, of course. So as a huge Star Trek fan, I just wanted to say, you know, happy May 4th. May the 4th be with you, as they say. Um, you know, call me a nerd, but I feel like we're all Gryffindors today, um, to quote Frodo Baggins. Anyway, um, just want to mention that. Now, first thing off the top here, because it's starting to annoy me. Maybe it shouldn't because it doesn't affect me. But uh, when has that ever gotten in the way of something annoying me? I just want to say, you know, you don't need to wear a mask when you're driving in your car. I don't know if you knew that. Or when you're walking down the street or going for a jog. Unless there's a, 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 an ordinance in your town requiring that. Although even in that case, I would say probably you, should, you still shouldn't wear it in those circumstances. Because it's insane. Now, where I live, there definitely is no ordinance requiring you to wear a mask anywhere but, but at the store. Yet in the last few days, I've seen people wearing masks in the car, uh, wearing them while they walk down the street. I saw a guy out in his garden working in his yard with a mask on. Um, I saw somebody jogging with a mask on. And I assure you, if you're one of those people, let, let, let me just uh, allay any concerns that you might have. This is not necessary. The virus is not going to leap in your car window and attack you. It's, it, it is not spread that way. If somebody coughs on the sidewalk while you're driving down the road, um, the chance of you being infected is effectively zero. I mean, I guess it's not literally zero, but then again, the chance of you being abducted by space aliens or uh, physically assaulted by Bigfoot 
also is not literally zero. So it's effectively, for all intents and purposes, it's, it's a 0% chance. And if you're walking down the street, outside, even if you pass by another person, we have no data to suggest that transmission is happening under those conditions. I'm not aware of a single confirmed case anywhere in the world where two people walking each, past each other outside manage to pass it to each other. So you can you know, just take it easy with that. I'm not saying don't wear a mask. I'm just saying that wearing a mask everywhere all the time is unnecessary. And it's kind of crazy. And I'm seeing it a lot. And I think it contributes to the panic and the fear. You know, it, it gives people the wrong impression. And you're um, helping to keep the lock lockdowns going longer by contributing to the public perception that this virus is some sort of magical superbug that can infect you no matter where you are or what you're doing or how close you are to another person. You know, I read these polls. In fact, I just read one before going on the air. Uh, this is from The Guardian. Actually, it's a poll from the UK, but it's similar. A similar situation is here. The headline is, Fearful Britons remain strongly opposed to lifting coronavirus lockdown. And I read stuff like that. And polls here in the U.S., like I said, are, um, are saying similar things. And that, that most people supposedly want the lockdown to continue. They don't want to leave their homes. They don't want to get to any, back to any sort of semblance of their normal lives. I read that, and my first reaction is to think, no way. There's just no way that after two months of this and the destruction of our economy, the erasure of our liberties, there's no way that people are in the mood for more of it. I can't possibly imagine that, especially in this country, in America. I mean, we're Americans. We, we like to be free. We like to do what we want to do. That's my first reaction. And I still think the polls are exaggerated or skewed by the way the question is framed. Like if the person conducting the poll is, is giving the, you know, the, the poll taker two options, and one is, do you want the lockdown to continue, or do you want to do nothing whatsoever to mitigate the virus, then a lot of people are going to choose uh, the former rather than the latter. But, but of course, that erases the middle option where there's no lockdown, but we're still doing things to mitigate the virus. So you, know, you take all that into account. Um, I, it's, it does seem, though, that even taking that into consideration, it seems that a, a large preponderance of people, maybe a majority, I don't know, are still nearly incapacitated by fear and would still rather hide under their beds indefinitely than go back out and start living their lives. And that's why I'm saying if we're ever going to have our lives back and our country back and our economy back and our liberty back, and our dignity back. I think it's incumbent on all of us to project a sense of calm and a sense of um, confidence. I'm not saying that we shouldn't socially distance or that we shouldn't ever wear a mask or we shouldn't take basic precautions. I'm not saying any of those things. But I am saying that we should not be overly fearful and panicked and unreasonably scared. Um, or just unreasonable in general. The sorts of people who now refuse to walk to the mailbox without a surgical mask on. That's, that's, that's not what we should be doing. Or, in fact, I did see someone walk into their mailbox with a scarf wrapped around their face. I guess it's possible that they were just cold, but then, you know, it's like 60 degrees here, so I doubt it. 
like a scarf rack, wrapped around the face, like, like, they're, like they're charging into a burning building or something. Just walk into the mailbox. And there's no reason for that. Um, so let's all, let's all just ca- calm down a little bit and, uh, and try to be reasonable. Now, I also wanted to talk about this to start the show. Um, Mayor Lori Lightfoot in Chicago has been, speaking of uh, being unreasonable, she's been certainly unreasonable and one of the most, and, and her uh, lack of reason also certainly does affect other people in a very direct way. She's been one of the most tyrannical dictators through this entire thing. Uh, she has just really enjoyed being uh, playing the part of Empress of Chicago. And you could tell she's getting a big kick out of it. And on that note, here she is over the weekend uh, doing more of her tough guy or tough girl routine. Now, I've directed Superintendent Brown to order all police districts to give special attention to these parties. And this is how it's going to be. We will shut you down. We will cite you. And if we need to, we will arrest you and we will take you to jail. Period. There should be nothing unambiguous about that. Don't make us treat you like a criminal. But if you act like a criminal and you violate the law and you refuse to do what is necessary to save lives in the city in the middle of a pandemic, we will take you to jail, period. Um, so there you go. Not to be pedantic, but, but, but firstly, uh, there should be nothing unambiguous about that means that there should be something ambiguous about it. So what she was saying there is that she wants it to be ambiguous. Because... Otherwise, now I think what you meant to say is that there should that that this should be unambiguous, or there should be nothing ambiguous about it. But anyway, if you're if you're going for the tough guy routine, you have to really nail the lines. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Uh, but there's a lot more to say in reaction to that, and we we will do that. Uh, but first, a word from Legacy Box. You know, um, as we were talking about Mother's Day on the way, and uh, a lot of great gifts you can get for Mother's Day. One thing that your mom is always excited to receive is pictures of you, even though she knows what you look like. That's the crazy thing. But more pictures of you. She's really going to be into that. And that's what Legacy Box is great with. Legacy Box is a super simple mail-in service to have all of your home movies and pictures digitally preserved on a thumb drive, DVD, or the cloud. Don't let those priceless family memories disappear because that's what happens. You know, they just, they just dissipate into the ether. Uh, instead, here's an idea. Mother's Day is fast approaching. And you got to start thinking about what are you getting from mom? How about memories that will never get dusty or fade away? Legacy Box helps bring new life to your old media by unlocking those trapped family memories and putting them in a modern digital format that's easy to use. Um, you know, I've used this myself. And uh, the first thing that comes to mind with Legacy Box is just how, just how easy it is to use, first of all. And then it puts all this stuff, because I'm a very disorganized person. I can tell you, we've got boxes of old... DVDs and pictures and stuff laying around. Um, so this puts it all in one place. I'm not going to lose it. That's what I love about it. Legacy Box is a way for you to easily and affordably digitally preserve your past. Uh, the process from start to finish is, like I said, so easy. You pack and send your tapes they're, they're, uh, to Legacy Box. Their team digitizes everything by hand, and you get back perfectly preserved digital copies on a thumb drive, DVD, or the cloud. It's that easy. So for a limited time, Legacy Box is running a 50% off Mother's Day special. Order your Legacy Box today to take advantage of this incredible offer. This is one of the best discounts they've ever offered. Legacy Box is perfect for you 
or for someone you love, go to LegacyBox.com slash Walsh and save 50% off while supplies last. Uh, okay, so Mayor Lawyer Lori Lightfoot says that if you violate social distancing, then you're a criminal, a crook, a fugitive from justice, which means, of course, that she is too. She is all those things, a criminal, a crook, a fugitive, a danger to, com- to her community. After all, remember, this is the woman who got her hair cut a couple weeks ago, even after forcibly shutting down all of the hair salons and barbershops and everything in the city and legally prohibiting anyone else from getting a haircut, she went out and got a haircut. And just, just for fun, to uh, speaking of remembering things, to reminisce, let's go back and recall the excuse she gave after she was caught getting her haircut. Here was her excuse. I'm the public face of the city. I'm on national media, and I'm out in the public eye. And, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a person who I take my personal hygiene very seriously. As I said, I felt like I needed to um, have a haircut. I'm not able to do that myself, and so I got a haircut. So she's in, the, she's in the public eye, and she takes hygiene seriously. Unlike the average filthy Chicago resident who doesn't care about hygiene, apparently. I, I take hygiene seriously. I don't know about the rest of it. These other rubes, they don't. So they don't, they don't need to get their hair cut. They don't need to take showers. They're peasants. You know, they're dirty peasants. But I, I am the mayor, and I need to practice good hygiene. Um, because, and you also know the other thing about Mayor Lightfoot is uh, she, of course, is renowned for her looks. So um, she needs, of course, to get that haircut as the face of the city and everything. But in any case, she's a, she's a criminal. By her own categorization, she is a criminal. The other point, we've seen, of course, similar rhetoric like this from Emperor de Blasio. Uh, we know about him threatening to round up the Jews, threatening to close churches permanently if they defy his wishes. Empress Whitmer, uh, barring people from even buying seeds and that sort of thing. Many other mayors and governors across the country, we've heard this. And we've talked about how this is a power trip from them. So a lot of this rhetoric is just them enjoying being absolute supreme ruler. They're getting a kick out of it. But I think there's another aspect of this that's important to understand. Um, So ask yourself, before this, before the coronavirus, when did you ever see Lightfoot or Whitmer or de Blasio, especially, or any of the rest of them, getting up in front of cameras and taking this kind of hard stance against actual criminals. I mean, Chicago has lost a hell of a lot of people over the years, over recent years, to gang violence, drug-related violence, etc. In the long term, that is still going to be a greater threat to residents of Chicago than the coronavirus will prove to be. And this is the case for every Amer- major American city. They've all got crime and, 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 uh, and everything else. Yet these mayors aren't nearly as tough on actual crime, actual deadly crime, as they are on people who walk too closely to each other on the sidewalk. So I think a big part of the motivation here is that it gives these weak mayors and governors an excuse to act like they're tough on crime, act like they care about protecting their citizens. They're too afraid to take this kind of stance under normal circumstances because they're afraid of charges of cruelty or brutality or racism or whatever else. But here they can do it and they can get away with it. In fact, I think there's a lot of this kind of posturing going around. So here's another example. Um, 
I saw this tweet yesterday, and uh, I, I've seen, and I'm, I'm just using this as an example because I've seen this kind of suggestion. I know it's it's not entirely serious, so half serious suggestion, but I've seen this bandied about quite a bit. So let me show you this. Here's the tweet. Um, it's got a thousand likes. It says, "Friend in Bay Area law enforcement had a funny idea: no tickets, no arrests for social distance violations. Just put a mark on their driver's license that means do not treat for COVID." if they show up at a hospital. Little harsh, but it does put hashtag skin in the game. Like I said, I've heard this from a lot of people. Like if you if you violate social distancing and you get sick from coronavirus, you don't deserve medical treatment or whatever. But this again is the kind of hardline stance you never hear during normal times. After all, if we aren't treating people for coronavirus because they violate social distancing, what about refusing treatment for uh, people who sleep around when they get STDs? Or refusing to treat someone with uh, heart disease if they eat fast food? Or refusing to treat uh, an alcoholic for liver damage? Or a smoker for lung cancer? Not only would that never be suggested, but the same people who will scream at you for going to the park or to the beach during the coronavirus will also scream at you if you dare suggest that obese people who eat fast food are being self-destructive. So it's a lot of posturing going on. And by the way, I'm not suggesting that uh, an obese person with heart disease shouldn't be treated because they ate fast food. That's not my approach. But I also wouldn't suggest that about coronavirus. You know, if you, if you go to the park or if you go to the beach and then you get coronavirus, first of all, if somebody goes to the beach and then a week later they're in the hospital for coronavirus, uh, the chance that they got it at the beach is very, very, very small. There are many others. It's more likely that they got it at Walmart or the grocery store when they were grocery shopping. But either way, no matter where they got it, they still deserve to be treated. Let's go on to headlines. Um, number one, Donald Trump was on Fox News last night. Here he is making an interesting claim. When you look at the other side, that, that you're on the other side medically, are, do you think that as deaths are going up and cases are going up, that we really are on the other side medically and that this is a great success story from the federal government? Well, I, I can only, well, it's too soon to say that really, I guess, because, you know, we're still in the middle of something. But certainly we would have lost a lot more people, Brett, if we would have done, as an example, you call it herd. If we would have done herd. In other words, everything's wonderful. Let's just keep going along. Herd immunity. We would have lost two and a half million people, I think, or... A million and a half or two million people. No, I think we've done. I think the American people have done a good job. This is a tragic situation. Everybody knows somebody that's been affected. That's a very rare thing. Okay, now this is nonsense from Trump. Whether, you, however, you feel about Trump, you're a big Trump supporter. Uh, this is still nonsense, total nonsense. And we shouldn't accept this kind of fear mongering. Even if you're a Trump supporter, I don't think you should accept this kind of fear mongering nonsense from Trump any more than you accept it from anybody else. In fact, you should accept it less from the guy you support. Two and a half million without a lockdown, that's crazy. Where is he getting that number? Well, he's getting that number. I think he's partially getting it from his own imagination. He's also partially getting it from models that have been abandoned for weeks now. These models were abandoned weeks ago. Uh, if a non-lockdown strategy would kill two and a half million people, then Sweden, which has not employed a lockdown strategy, should have way more deaths right now than it currently does. And besides, for the umpteenth time, the choice was not between locking down or doing nothing. Trump says, if we had said everything is fine, 
Nobody ever said that we should say everything is fine. I mean, arguably, Trump himself was sort of saying that or nearly saying that back in March when he said the virus had infected 15 people and it would go away after that. He did say that. Um, but uh, most people, that's, that's not the point we've been making. The other option is not doing nothing or acting like everything is fine. The other option is to protect vulnerable com communities, practice social distancing where needed and possible, um, and yes, develop herd immunity, which, which is going to have to happen anyway. There is no getting around it. It will have to happen. You cannot avoid it. So the other strategy is avoid economic collapse, protect the vulnerable, and get on with doing the thing that we have to do anyway, and that right now we're just delaying. That, that's the idea. Two and a half million dead from that? Come on. In this, think about this, okay? In this country, 20,000 of our deaths so far that we know of are in nursing homes. Um, in some European countries, according to studies that have been done, half of their deaths are in nursing homes. What does that mean? It means we could have significantly decreased the death rate just by shutting down nursing homes earlier and, and using our resources to protect vulnerable populations. When you add up, I mean, think about this. And I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but you can, you can go and Google it. So add up the number of people uh, killed in nursing homes and then the number of, of general 75-plus deaths uh, that are not in nursing homes. I don't even know if you could find that specific number. And then also throw in the death rate in New York City. And much of that is in nursing homes. But the non-nursing home deaths in New York City. Okay, you take all that into account. And that is a huge preponderance of the overall deaths in America. Um, which mean, what does that mean? Does it mean that that doesn't, they don't, that doesn't matter? No, of course it matters. The point is, we could have protected people 75 plus, vast majority of them not working anyway. So, you know, having them not work is, is, is not a problem because they don't work anyway. Um, protect the nursing homes. And, uh, and then, yeah, if you want to do a lockdown in New York City, which has been hit way harder than anywhere else because, for, for a few reasons, uh, because it's got the, the subway system, which has been a vector for disease. It's it got a population density of like 27,000 people per square mile. I mean, there are a lot of unique things in New York City. So you address those specific situations and you have mitigated much of the death just from that. But once, once you take those deaths and you set them aside just for a minute, you're left with really no justification for telling a young and healthy guy in North Carolina or, or Minnesota um, that, or, South, or, or, or Maryland that he can't go to work. There's no justification for it. Essentially, you're telling me he can't go to work because there's a virus that's infecting New York City, people 75 and plus, and nursing homes. That doesn't make sense. And the other thing is, if we, if we had focused on that, not just on that. I'm not saying we, we, we do nothing where everyone else is concerned. I mean, we, we still have social distancing. I think in some circumstances, you should be wearing a mask, even if it wasn't required. Um, so we do stuff like that, good hygiene, washing your hands and everything else. But if we had focused most of our resources on protecting the vulnerable, shutting down nursing homes, rather than expending resources on trying to enforce a house arrest on, on hundreds of millions of Americans, if we had done that, we could have saved many of those lives. But we didn't.
Number two, and now Asia, after exporting the coronavirus, has decided to give the world another gift, uh, the giant murder hornet. The Asian murder hornet, it's called. Actually, the, the Asian giant hornet, I guess. Which, whichever you call it. Calling it Asian is obviously racist, but I didn't come up with a name. You know, this, is, this isn't on me. Reading from CNN, um, for the first time, the Asian giant hornet. That's, uh, for, that's pretty racist from CNN. CNN, they're one of the ones telling us, do not call it the Chinese virus. And now they're calling this the Asian hornet. That's, I don't know. Some anti-Asian bigotry going on here. For the first time, Asian giant hornets have been spotted in the United States, specifically in Washington State. Scientists say beekeepers have reported piles of dead bees with their heads ripped off. An alarming sight in a country with a rapidly declining bee population. And more than two inches long, they're the world's largest hornet with a sting that can kill humans if stung multiple times, according to experts. Susan Kobe, a bee breeder at the Washington State, says they're like something out of a monster cartoon. Um, and uh, with this huge yellow-orange face. Uh, okay, just, can I just say, Asia, relax. Okay, we're good. We don't need any more deadly plagues for now. So you've supplied us with two this year. It's only May. So maybe just take a break. Give us a break. Start thinking of what you want to do in 2021. I know you'll have a gift for us then. But for right now, if you could just lay off, please. Um, now, I thought the good news for me as a beekeeper is that I have a, a beekeeping suit that will keep me safe. And now all I have to do is wear my surgical mask and my beekeeper suit wherever I go. And I'm protected from both plagues. But then I read this in the same article. It says, Washington State agricultural officials are asking beekeepers and residents to report any sightings of the giant hornets. But don't get too close. Its sting can penetrate a regular beekeeper suit. Perfect. And state scientists had to order special reinforced suits. Okay, then I got to go get one of those. Um, entomologist Chris Looney says, don't try to take them out yourself if you see them. I mean, if you see a giant murder hornet and you're inclined to try to take it out, go to do some hand-to-hand -hand, uh, combat, don't, don't try it. If you get into them, um, run away, then call us. It is really important for us to know of every sighting if we're going to have any hope of eradication. All right. Um, number three, Lisa Bloom is a lawyer and a big uh, Me Too proponent. She was really involved in trying to get uh, Trump accusers to come forward. And, of course, she was out against Kavanaugh and everything else. And now she has finally chimed in on the Joe Biden situation. Here's what she had to say. She said, I believe you, Tara Reid. You have people who remember you, uh, told them about this decades ago. We know he is, quote, handsy. You're not asking for money. You've obviously struggled mightily with this. I still have to fight Trump, so I will support Joe, but I believe you, and I am sorry. So Lisa Bloom, the uh, victim's advocate, is saying, this is what she's saying. Uh, I believe you were raped, but I still support your rapist. I mean, that is a, that's a hell of a position to take. But the thing is, that is a, a as despicable and deranged and morally debased as that position is. It is far more respectable from, than, than what most, most leftists and Me Too people are doing. Because at least it's honest. Okay, It has the benefit of being honest. What she's saying is, I believe you. I think it happened. But it's more advantageous for me politically to support your rapist, so uh, I'm going to support him. That's what she's saying. Like I said, morally deranged, but honest. Um, and so that puts it above all the other leftists who are just 
wholesale abandoning all the Me Too talking points they've been using for years now and, uh, and attacking Tara Reid and trying to tear down her credibility and everything else. So Lisa Bloom is getting a lot of grief for this, and I understand why, deservedly so, but uh, like I said, she's being honest at least, so give her some credit for that, I guess. Reading now from the Daily Wire, um, or no, I'm sorry, the Daily Mail. can't believe I would confuse those two. The Daily Wire and the Daily Mail are not similar at all. Anyway, this is the Daily Mail. It says, hundreds of people have been exposed for, re- for uh, reporting people who have flouted social distancing rules, and some are now scared they could receive a backlash. The names and addresses of approximately 900 people in Missouri were released as part of a media request under the Sunshine Law, which allows for the release of information submitted to a public agency. St. Louis County had urged the community to share details of anyone not following guidelines in response to the coronavirus pandemic and noted in the terms of conditions that information may be shared publicly. However, some people may not have read the small print and submitted the tips via online, and now their information's out there. Oh, I mean, I, I just feel terrible for them, don't you? Really, really horrible. Sorry about your luck there. It's just really terrible tragedy. You tried to snitch on your neighbors and thought you were being, you're doing it privately, and now, and now the, uh, the sunshine law has snitched on you. You're being snitched on for snitching. Just, that's, no, no that's, uh, that's not justice at all, is it? That's just a terrible, terrible thing. That's all I'll say about that. Uh, five, finally, Alex Jones last week had some interesting thoughts to share. Uh, listen to this. I'll admit it. I will eat my neighbors. I'm not letting my kids die. I'll, I'm just going to be honest. My superpowers being honest, I've extrapolated this out, and I won't have to for a few years since I got food and stuff, but I'm literally looking at my neighbors now and going, am I ready to hang them up and gut them and skin them and chop them up? And you know what? I'm ready. My daughters aren't starving to death. I'll eat my neighbors. See, my superpowers being honest, I'll eat your ass. I will. I'm... Combat model, optimum self-sufficiency, probably the leader. The point is, is have you thought about that yet? Because I'm somebody that thought I could fix this, and I'm starting to think about having to eat my neighbors. You think I like sizing up my neighbor, how I'm going to haul him up by a chain and chop his ass up? I'll do it. My children aren't going hungry. I will eat your ass. And that's why I want the globalists to know. I will eat your ass first. Honestly, I can't judge Alex Jones because that's exactly what I sound like when it's been two hours since my last snack. I can't count how many times I've said exactly this. I just feel a little bad for Alex Jones's neighbors. You know, you know, they were frantically on Zillow over the weekend looking for new living arrangements. Then again, you know, I thought that, but then I thought, well, given that they live next to Alex Jones, they were probably prepared for this contingency. They, they, they probably had like a, a go bag packed, ready to make a run for it. They knew this day was coming and it came. Um, so that's, uh, that's Alex Jones for you. Before we go any further, I got to tell you about this. It's very important because our amazing deal that we've been talking about for weeks now is uh, going away tomorrow. This is your last chance. When you become a Daily Wire Insider Plus or All Access member, you get uh, not just one tumbler, but two of them the most highly coveted uh, beverage vessel in existence. You get two of them, but this is the last day for the deal, okay? It's going away. Um, And on top of that, you also get many other amazing benefits as well, including, of course, uh, as well as the the Leftist Tears Tumblr, you also get an ad-free website experience. You get access to all of our live broadcasts, uh, the full show library. You get full three hours of Ben Shapiro. 
You get uh, access to the mailbag. You get his exclusive election insight op-eds. You got to be a member for that. And then uh, we do these uh, all-access shows that are a lot of fun. In fact, I'll be doing one tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, but if you're a member, you can also take part in those. If you're an all-access member, you can, become, you can take part in those as well. Now, um, the deal, as I said, is going away tomorrow. So remember, that's two leftist tiers, tumblers, not just one. When you become a Daily Wire Insider Plus or all-access member and you get 10% off, with coupon code Walsh. Just head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe. That's dailywire.com slash subscribe. Coupon code Walsh. Get both tumblers now before it's too late. And finally, for our daily cancellation, um, I have to cancel my son, my oldest son, heir to the throne. I have to cancel. hate to cancel him, but he's left me no choice. Let me explain what happened. So a few days ago, I, I took the kids out for a walk in the park, and we're still allowed to do that here magnanimously, our governor has, through his, through his great benevolence, has allowed us to walk outside for limited periods, okay, and for only approved reasons, but, uh, but we, were, we were on the approved list, so we were, we were out, and um, my son, at one, at one point, he, he walked too close to a tree, and a tree branch, tree branch scratched his neck, and he was bleeding a little bit, so I sensed an opportunity, and I had a brilliant idea. I, I told him, when we get home, I didn't think this would actually work, but I said, when we get home, I told him he should tell mommy that he got attacked and bitten by a squirrel. And that's where the scratch came from. And I told him if he sells it, and, and his sister was there, and she was also going to help. She was going to back up the story. Um, I said, if he really sells it, he might be able to fool mommy, and that will be funny. So we get home, the kids run in ahead of me, and they're super excited to lie to their mother at the behest of their father because I'm just a great parent, and this is the kind of thing I tell my kids to do. And uh, so anyway, they, they go up, and I knew the plan worked, because before I could even walk upstairs, all I heard coming from upstairs was, what? A squirrel? You might have rabies. And then I walk up, and my wife is freaking out, and she's saying that uh, we need to call the doctor immediately. And, um, and my kids actually sold it better than I did, because seeing this reaction, it worked way better than I thought it would. And I only made it about 15 seconds before I started laughing. And, I, they, and the jig was up. I, I, and the, you know, I gave up the whole, the whole thing. My wife was not amused at all. But the reason my son is canceled is that even though it was a brilliant performance on his part, but the, the problem is that he also started freaking out. I thought at first he was acting. And I, I was really impressed. I thought, we got to get this kid. I, you know, I was, I'm never in favor of, of child actors, but I thought, this kid has a gift because he started freaking out and crying that he might have rabies. And uh, so I, I thought he was acting and really selling it. But then I realized that, no, he, he, because my wife said you might have rabies, he thought that he might have rabies now. Um, and even though we made up the story about the squirrel, as he well knew. So he was scratched by a tree branch. I, we came up with this story. And then he fooled himself with the story and started crying because he thought he'd have to go to the doctor's for rabies. So then my wife was able to flip it around on me and say, look, oh, great. Look what you've done. Look to our poor child. You've made him cry. And I tried to explain the plan was to upset her, not to upset our child. But that didn't make it any better. Um, in, you know, it's, it's not my fault. The kid tried to prank his mom and instead pranked himself in the process. So for falling for his own prank and getting me in trouble, my son is canceled. Like I said, not something any father wants to do, but he leaves me no choice.
and I by no means accept any responsibility for any of this. Even though I did tell my kids to go lie to their mom and try to scare her into thinking that her son was bitten by a rabid squirrel. Um, it was good stuff. It was, uh, I was right. My, my daughter, though, I got to say, she was very impressive. She kept a straight face the entire time. My kid, they're only six years old, twins. And at first I was impressed. And then I was very afraid because I thought she's six years old and she's this good at lying. Um, we're in trouble down the line. But anyway, might as well get some enjoyment out of it while we can. And we will leave it there on that uh, somewhat somber note. Hope you guys have a great day. Talk to you tomorrow. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Danny D'Amico, and our audio is mixed by Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. As American psycho Gavin Newsom locked down his political opponent's beaches in one of the few conservative counties in California, your humble correspondent broke the law to lounge in the sun. The lockdown authoritarians don't have any arguments anymore to defend their draconian policies, but that isn't the point. The cruelty is the point. Then Joe Biden blows it when addressing sexual assault allegations against him, but it won't matter. Feminism dies with a tweet and Hollywood tries to rewrite the history of one of the most important women in the history of the conservative movement. All that and more. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. Hold up. 